The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Stomps, stomps, stomps. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Side Studies. Well, welcome back to the Burrows of Berea, a side study, mm. I guess, right? A That's side right. study. Mm-hmm. And to my left is Jim Beaver. Hi, Jim. Thanks Howdy. for sitting in. Thanks for having special me. Special guest. He's a special guest. He's so special. Uh, well, I'm very honored to be here. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Th- yes. I'm so glad you are. And next to him is Rick the Podfather Welch. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had a cat <laughs> like a pet or something. <laughs> <laughs> And next to him is Billy Icandy Kimsey. Like a Mr. Good bar, because it's all good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all good. Bite size. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shine. Wow. <laughs> Snap. I, don't, I didn't realize we were supposed to have statements prepared. <laughs> <laughs> and across from me is Rick Big Daddy Cotta. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like the Kool-Aid man busting it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and next to him is Ralph Hicks. Represent. Straight out of Compton, right? <laughs> and then behind the glass is Rocket Man Andy Bishop. See, most of us just kind of repeat the same thing over and over again. Billy's the only one that does the heavy lifting of actually coming up with a thing every time. Right <laughs> yeah, on. and I'm the one that does the heavy but breathing, you bastard. to come up with it. <laughs> well, Right on. Well, I, I was going to say, um, I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I've, I've heard that go around the room and wondered what it might look like. So now the mystery is... <laughs> but usually it starts there. Yeah. Yes. And I'm la- our cherries last. Usually That's right. you're sitting in cherries. Does it, we have to do it again? Or yeah. <laughs> well, I'm Sarita Edgerton, the edge, and I'm going to be leading today. I had told Rick that I would do the study of the Beatitudes. I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, you might change your mind at the end, so we'll see. So, mm-hmm. does everybody here know what the Beatitudes are, other than yeah, give me what a, you told me on the la- on the Liberty podcast about what was it? Re- no, what was Revel- uh, reversals? Reversals, no, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me the quick, fast primer again, please. The nickel right. tour. Okay, so the Beatitudes begin the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew the book of Matthew, and they begin the Sermon on the Plateau in the book of Luke. That's what it's termed. So there's some controversy, not controversy, there's some thoughts that those are two different sermons, or they're a same sermon heard by two different people who told them differently. Um, You know, I don't think yeah, because one, one of them says he went up onto a mountain, the other one says then he came down from the mountain, and then they found the place where he actually did it. And there's both. Mm-hmm. There is a plateau, and he could have come down and up while he was teaching. So he wasn't just standing in one place; he was probably going from place to place. To and as possible as a traveling pastor, and anybody's ever seen a traveling pastor, a lot of times they tell the same stories or they'll tell the same sermon. It comes out a little differently. You know, if we're all sitting in the same room and somebody's preaching, I hear something different because of the lens that I see life through. The game of telephone. Yeah, than somebody else. So we don't really know if they're two different sermons. I don't think it matters. Um, Are you referring to the Sermon on the Mount? 
Yes, the Sermon on the it's called the Sermon no, on the Mount in Matthew. Referring to the Sermon on the Plateau, and then there's right. the well, Sermon on the Plateau <laughs> in Luke, and they're titled different. And there's some discussion as to whether they're two different sermons, or they were. So, um, from which 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 angle do you take it from? I don't know that it really matters. I just think Matthew is much more descriptive of it. Um, what we do know is that it was a sermon for just his disciples, his immediate disciples. Mm-hmm. Both accounts say he saw the multitude, and one says he went up and sat down with his disciples, and one says he went down and sat with his disciples. So it wasn't a sermon for everybody. It wasn't the feed the 5,000 and give a sermon. It was for the most intimate of the intimate. So the whole Sermon on the Mount that we know, um, and that begins with the Beatitudes, uh, was for his disciples, for his followers, and, and whatever. And if you've seen the chosen, I love, that. I love when he's he's saying them to Matthew. So yeah, so he's so he and Matthew work it out, uh, you know, in that one season, and then when they're actually doing it. The, he spreads the disciples out throughout the multitude, and he's teaching the disciples, and they're re-speaking it to the multitude. So yes. they kind of like, they played that. It's like telephone. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what they were doing there. But he wrote it down, so yeah, they would know cool. what to say. So basically, Beatitudes means blessed, wherever Andy went. Blessed. Blessed, happy, joyful. Um, it's directly tied to the Old Testament. We see it in several of the Psalms, and we see it in Deuteronomy 28. But we're going to start out by just reading it straight out of Matthew, and then I'm going to read it out of uh, Luke as well. I'm going to interject. This will be quick. i just like to point out that people are talking about uphill both ways. It's just got to be on the other side of a mountain. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there you go. Uphill both ways. You're done. Good point. That's Andy. right. So according to Matthew 5, chapter, verse Science. 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And this, was, this would have been a proper way that a rabbi would have taught. Uh, his disciples, they would have sat down and had this discussion. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And that's the Matthew version. The Luke version says... And he came down with them, his disciples, and sat on a level place, and a great multitude of people from Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, and the power went out from him, and he healed them all. And he lifted his eyes up towards his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. 
Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so do their fathers to the false prophets. So there are two different tellings. One has eight characteristics or or blessednesses, and one has four blessednesses, blessings, and four woes. And so this harkens all the way back to Deuteronomy 28, where the Lord says um, to the Israelites, if you obey me, I'm going to give you all these blessings. If you are disobedient, I am going to give you all these curses. And of course, we know that they weren't obedient, and so some of the curses, and it's a very long chapter, and I considered reading it all. I didn't want to put the listeners to sleep. Um, But what I found interesting, and I actually listened to a Catholic priest, I'm looking at Ralph, and he had this very interesting take on it. All the curses that God said, or most of the curses that God said, end up being what Jesus said are blessings for his followers. It's pretty cool hmm. when I went and looked at it and read it. And, um, but that's how Jesus did things. He turned everything on their head, you know, upside down, right side up. You know, he, he just, he turned everything just cattywampus to, to have a Southern word in there, cattywampus. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get into each beatitude. All right. Um, let's see. Jesus was cacalactic. Well, it's like you said. I mean, uh, happy are those who are persecuted. So we have. I mean, we're going to have some <laughs> definitions know? that we. I know we talk about definitions and translations and, and the way that we use words in our modern vernacular. Happy is not always um, considered a biblical statute. It's more joy. Um, and then when we get to certain ones that have a little more controversial. Characteristics. We'll get into some of the meanings of that. Okay. So the first one is, blessed are the poor or the poor in spirit. All right. So we know Jesus loved the poor. He took care of the poor. He fed the poor. We, you know, we have the multiple times it talks about him feeding the hungry people on the mountain and, and taking care of the, the widow with her might and, and, and all of that. Um, the general consensus when you look at what scholars say is that the poor in spirit is people who realize the poverty, the depth of their sin mm-hmm. and the depth of how much they actually need Jesus and God. Um, I think you can probably take it both ways. What do y'all think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it go back to the time and and how they would have taken that back then. Yeah. I think uh, I, I'm always reminded of the widow uh, that was at the temple when she gave the the mites, the widow's mites. I, I think of the poor in spirit in that regard, mm-hmm. where when she goes up and she gives just all that she had, and Jesus saw that, and there were people that were surrounding them that were giving more, and there was um, almost like they were, is the word braggadocious? Is that a word? Or they were bragging, yeah, like that's a word. being boastful to people that, hey, look what I'm giving to God, which is, and then, oh, well, he must be special, you know? And she just she just gives what she has. And Jesus said, she's given more than everyone else here today. And that, I think about what that must have sounded like to that woman, because if you've ever been broke, like me, I mean, I've been broke and poor, like really, really poor in my life. And to to know that 
whatever I had. There was one time in my life when I gave a silver dollar because that's all that I had, but it was something my grandfather had given me. And I just remember what we, when we, what we were giving to at the time meant so much to me. I, I wanted to see, because it was for a, a Spanish family that were struggling. And all I had was that silver dollar. And I just remember asking the Lord, take this, God, you know how special it is to me, but make this do something. I just knew that he did. And I still know it. It's still blessing me even now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know it's out there in the world somewhere. It's pretty cool. Well, I think what Jesus wants us to recognize, and I, and I, and I don't want to ever put words in Jesus's mouth because I'm not God. I'm not the son of God. I'm, I'm an heir to the kingdom, but I'm not Jesus. But he was almost like pointing to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and saying, be the opposite of them. Mm. Every one of these blesseds is the opposite of what we would have seen from the Fer- most of the Pharisees, most of the Sadducees. Oh, I don't think you're putting words in his mouth at all. I think that's exactly what he was doing. In this one, though, he kind of, he, he sort of tempers that with love, and there, there's a tenderness towards his disciples. I want you to be like, I want you to understand how spiritually bankrupt you really are. Right. You are so spiritually bankrupt. Now, I've never experienced bankruptcy, but I know people who have, and it is a hard place to be. And when we're spiritually bankrupt, until we come to the realization that we're completely dependent on God, there's never any fill there. There's never any filling up there. There's never any filling anything worse than bankrupt Mm -hmm. if you don't have God to fill that up. And then he says, so if you recognize that and you see your need for me, then yours is the kingdom of heaven. And what I found interesting about this, this term, the kingdom of heaven, only Matthew uses it, and he uses it over 30 times. Mm. Really? He Instead also, of kingdom of God? He also uses kingdom of God five times. Mm. But he uses kingdom of heaven over 30 times, and he is the only one who uses it. Mm. I know this is probably where we differ mm-hmm. as to, as to um, when and where that kingdom Oh, you're, you're talking eschatology now. Eschatology-wise, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. some of us believe that it's already— Fulfilled. Done and fulfilled, and some of us believe that it's partially, like my heart, but there is still still things to keep things to come. Mm-hmm. And so, but what we can agree on is that if we recognize our spiritual bankruptness and we go to the banker, God, to get, to fill that back up, then we all get the kingdom of heaven, no matter when we we think that that happens. Well, that that goes back to a word that Rick said earlier was uh, was humble. You know, if you, you, bankruptcy, I could imagine would be quite humbling uh, to to get saved from that and to to have to lay all that out in front of someone else. Been there. But the same thing with this is if you, I feel like the Lord is saying, look, if you can come to me and be honest and humble about your bankrupt heart, your spirit, I can bless you with everything, absolutely. But you, you know, you you got to be honest. You got to, you've got to accept. That's the big thing with this: is you are saved if you accept. But accepting is, is more than just, okay, I believe in God. It is, it is humbling yourself, and then, and and then doing, and, and then doing the work, and then realizing, God, I didn't do the work today, so I got to do the work, and then. And you, and you, and you're definitely not talking prosperity preaching, and I know that. I know that. And I, I was going to get into that. Yeah. None of the blessings here, and we think of blessings as tangible. Give me ten dollars, and you will get a hundred. I mean, it, that's that's kind of how we think of blessings. Or maybe if I go do this good thing, the Lord will bless my business. Right. Or, 
you know, but there are people doing quite well in life who've never called on the name of God. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that's in the woes. There are in, some in absolutely yeah. terrible people who have just fine lives. Just great yeah, lives. There's some yeah. really, really terrible people. Theirs that have is some not the kingdom lives. of heaven. <laughs> it says, woe to you. Yeah. Who's, who's so the, the gentleman that, um, is it Zacchaeus that had the uh, sick daughter? That no. Came, um, man, what's her name? Is it J- J- His name's right with the Jairus. 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 Jairus, yeah. it came. Um, I would think that in the other side of, not that it's a flipped coin, but also for the people that were, say, rich at that period of time, that being of poor spirit, when I could only sympathize slightly in the fact that he's got a sick daughter that he can't do nothing for. Mm-hmm. No matter how much money he throws at this situation or anything that he has or the connections that he has with you know the priests or uh, the temple, he, he has nothing that can fix it. Man, that's how disease be sometimes. Yeah, and well, I mean, the I woman think of the woman with the issue of blood, brawling. Yeah, the, the woman issue of blood. She has blood, spent which was, all of her money, with, and all she wants to do is touch. She the was of his garment. She was rich. Yeah, and she she was, her, but her she belief. was bankrupt. She had spent all of her money. Her belief so it, gave her, her blessing. Just jump in, Jim. Oh, okay, I don't want to. Yeah, you kind of got it. Sorry. Before we do this, literally, don't move the base of the stand. Just turn the mic towards yourself. Just the whole thing will swing in. Just boop. There you go. Perfect. Okay, right on. Is that good? The perfect. Thank right you. Right on. I love this conversation, first of all. Yeah. I'm really honored to chime in here. Um, and I agree in part with everything that I think I just heard. I really liked what you said to start with. And you just sort of, it was like a one-liner, but there, it was there was profound, you know, that what how would they have taken it in that time? And I imagine... And that culture, the the notion of being poor isn't just like an unfortunate circumstance. It's like shame, like you're embarrassed of that's mm-hmm. a, you know, to be a poor is is powerless. You know, living living below what the the woman at the well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always received this almost like a description of heart posture towards God. You know, right. with poor in spirit. I see where you're coming from with like the depth of, yeah, I mean, we're, we're bankrupt. We, we bring nothing to the table that he's not put in our wallets already, as it were, you know. But and I didn't mean, I said spiritually bankrupt. Right, right, right. I didn't mean right. financially. Of, of course. I, that's, that's what I mean spiritually when we, when we come to him, you know. But I feel like it's, it's more than, I think about like throughout the Bible, the, the people that God interacted, Old Testament and New Testament, but almost in a friendship kind of way. And it were, it were the people that were, like that, Moses was like, "Man, what the heck am I going to go tell Pharaoh?" You know, yeah. Throughout, or Peter, you know, when when Peter realized who Jesus was, he's like, I, "You got to go, go like, away from I, me." I, yeah. I, I, I know who you are, and I can't. You know, I'm, you know, so, and, and he took a, like a personal interest in those kind of guys. So I think, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's it's a not being a full vessel, first of all, but if you if you come with a heart that's like, "Hey, I." I want to know, you know, I I know some stuff, but I don't know everything, you know, yeah. and that's he's, he loves that. I think he that that vibrates with him in a unique way, you know. I think if, if from a, an emotional standpoint, I think God gets a kick out of that. Well, you I can think, mold somebody like that, yeah, for sure. And I think though, if you want to bring a rich person, kind of a richer person, into it, Nicodemus is yeah. an example mm-hmm. of he was poor, he had money, and he was part of the ruling elite. But he have, he he understood the depth of his need for God, mm-hmm. and I we've had speculation and talk about who Nicodemus was and mm. what his outcome was. But he was there to take Jesus off the cross. Yeah. So it something happened mm-hmm. in him. Something switched over where he found his need to know the Son of God. Yes. And so I think yeah, it can be 
a rich person who's poor in spirit. Right. You know. Um, so now I'm going to make a, a logical error because I'm going to like speak about, you know, modern English euphemisms and assume that maybe those remain true in thousand year, couple thousand year old Hebrew. But if I say somebody's high in spirit, what do I mean? Is, are we at a concert or? Just in a good mood, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Rhetorical yeah, yeah. question. High yeah. in spirit. High good in spirit. mood. Yeah. Yeah. So if I say somebody, oh, he was, he was low of spirit. Yeah. What do I mean? Down in the dumps. He's down in the dumps. So spiritually bankrupt, to me, that means like emotionally in a bad place. Yeah. I don't know that that's what they mean. Mm. Like, I don't know how the euphemism work in that language when they talk about spirit. Yeah. Uh, and if that was in fact euphemistic, but, uh, but read in English, low of spirit means depressed. Yeah. Good point. I would agree. Great. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way to look at even it. Even Andy. Yes. Okay. Serena's wearing the even Andy shirt. Yes, yes she is. is. Woo. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. So the next one is blessed are those who mourn. Okay. Or weep according to Luke. Let's see what they get. They will be comforted. So Jesus, when we think of weeping, he wept twice. Mm-hmm. Okay. He wept over Lazarus and that whole situation. And he wept when he saw the state of Jer- Jerusalem. Or city, the state of the city of Jerusalem. Right. And um, so if we take that, and, I, and I, this is probably the one we hear the most. Uh, because we go to funerals, and mm-hmm. you will inevitably hear a pastor say, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted." And I do know that that probably is—it's pretty good. Yeah. But I don't think that that's what it meant when Jesus said it. I think we should weep over the condition or the fate of the lost. I think that's what that mourn. We should be so heavy laden. Because we know this Jesus who has come mm-hmm. in our poor in spirit state and filled us up, we should mourn over those who don't have that. I've said that on this podcast several times. My biggest fear is not getting in. It's the Lord showing me the people that I lost. These are the people I sent to you, and these are the people that you missed. Hmm. So in Matthew, it says we will be comforted. Luke says we will laugh. Hmm. And there is joy in the heavens when even one, there's rejoicing in the heavens. And rejoicing to me, when you say rejoicing, if you're rejoicing that your child turned 18 and graduated from high school, some of them barely make it. I mean, there's rejoicing, there's laughing, there's maybe singing, there's a party, there's, there's, there's that. And when one person is saved... That is what is being rejoicing. I don't think people will laugh at you because you're mourning. No, I don't think so. Um, But this is, I really like this. This is a favorite part of of a funeral. I I do think it's very comforting words, but I don't think it's what was meant. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings because I don't think that that's necessarily a bad interpretation, if you will. But I don't think that's what Jesus meant when he was sitting there speaking to his disciples. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times we have to remember the lenses, right? The lenses that we all use. If I'm reading in an English Bible and I just lost my mother and I'm devastated and I read, blessed are they who mourn for they should be comforted or they will laugh, then I know 
I'm thinking I'm going to get to see my mom again, and that makes me feel better. There's nothing wrong with that interpretation. I think what Jesus is saying, too, and the, uh, you're not done with it yet. I don't want to steal your thunder. You keep trucking. No, you go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. I don't want to steal your thunder. Well, I'm going to quote problem. the great theologian, Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Dolly. Legend. <clears throat> when she Absolute says, legend. laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. That's from Steel Magnolias, my favorite movie. Love that movie. I like the quote where she says, I'm busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking butt contest. Kicking contest. <laughs> <laughs> One more. There was a concert recently, and a guy yelled out, I love you, at the concert. And she said, I love you too, but I told you to stay in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> she's so witty. She's full of them, man. She's very witty. She's very witty and very quick witty. with it. But so going back to the funeral thing, my favorite part of the funeral is when the pastor's up there, and he really knows the family. Mm-hmm. And he's you or whoever's eulogizing, eulogizing. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that was a word. Or, is a, yeah. or in the words word. of Zoolander, you googleizing. <laughs> yeah. Eulogizing is a word. It's a verb. Yeah, yeah it makes absolutely. Good sense. So it would have taken um, me five minutes to pronounce that. Yeah. Well, you you've know, been eulogized. Uh, <laughs> he gets up there and he tells a funny story about the person, or when you're sitting around the table you know, talking afterwards with your family and you tell funny stories about dad or you tell funny stories about granddad or you tell funny stories about your, whomever it is. Mm-hmm. I really, to me, laughter and comedy, when I'm feeling poor in spirit and the way that Andy said it earlier, laughter to me pulls me out of that. It makes me, it's a balm to my soul. Mm-hmm. That's not biblical. Absolutely. It just makes me come out of that. And if, I'll go put on Nate Bergazzi, who I think is one of the funniest oh, Christian comedians. I invited so him funny. to the show, and they tur- he turned me down. I know. He's so funny. Or, Preterist. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so laughter is a bomb to the spirit. And even Job, and then Job, they talk about laughter, you know, during all that Job had go on with his life. I mean, it's What's just— What's the most famous laughter quote in the Bible, though? You remember it? It says, laughter— Is the best medicine? Laughter doeth well like a medicine. Yes. That's exactly right. That is biblical. See if you can get John Christ. Oh, yeah. He'd be great. I think if you listen to this when reading this or listening to it in a different way, I think that you'll come to a different understanding and understand more of what she's talking about here. And what I mean by that is Jesus is teaching his future teachers. Mm. So that's like going to a teaching college, like going to Appalachian. He's teaching them... How to teach others. Exactly. How to reach. How to, I think he's teaching them how to reach others. Mm-hmm. This is going on. This is how they're feeling. And this is how you reach them. And so I think if you think of it in that vein, you can understand more about where she's coming from. Because I'm trying to think of, okay, where's she coming from and how to, how to interpret this. And I, I had somebody bring that up once before where I thought, okay, this is Jesus teaching them how to go teach others. Mm-hmm. And That's a great perspective. It gives you a like deeper. That. It gives you a different understanding of mm-hmm. you're going to as as a manager teaching someone to be a manager. You're going to teach them, hey, these are people that don't know these things yet, and so this is how you're going to be able to be clear to them how this works. That's an important piece of context when you're reading through that. That what the audience gives you just another picture of what that audience was, you know. Who they were, what right. they were, why they, you know, what they were going to do with that information. That's what know. Jesus could say at the end of John. Now go make disciples. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think to end this one, oh, or maybe I, I'm not there. Well, no, ahead. no. I was just going to say the verse of scripture is Proverbs seventeen twenty two, and it says, "A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones." Mm-hmm. 
laughter gives us hope that we don't have to stay mired in our grief. And I just love that. That is good. Mm. I love that. Some you- of, so many of us ha- are dealing with some heavy things in our lives. Yeah. And if we can laugh and get outside of it for a moment, even for that one moment, we can see hope. Mm-hmm. And the, sometimes it's way far off and it's dim, but it's there. Yeah. And so there are lots of us who are struggling. We've had several testimonies. We've got several in here who are dealing with different things. You know, if we can just take a moment and find the joy uh, in life, even if it's turning on a Netflix, Leanne Morgan, pee your pants. I watched her, and thank you for telling me because that woman is absolutely hilarious. I mean, find something that makes you laugh. Mm -hmm. Um, We just have friends who are dealing with a suicide, and there's so many things I want to say because the Facebook page is just so dark. And I, I don't know that it's appropriate for me to make a, right. an appropriate joke. But I found like if they could just find a way to laugh all together, it would be healing. It would, it would be a balm to their spirits, even for one second. I know. And that's the desire that we want for the people that we know and love. But we also, I, I've learned just through a friend of mine who lost a son just recently that for me, not saying a word was the best thing, you know, for them at that time. But I wanted to add, before you move on to the next beatitude, we have to remember the scene, besides the fact that it was a Sermon on the Mount, is where these people are at the time. This is These are the children of Israel. This is God's chosen people. And they are occupied oh, yeah. by a war machine yes. that is just, they're overtaxed, they're they can't worship the way that they want to. Plus, they have a puppet government that was placed by Rome, and they have a puppet priest oh, yeah. that was Absolutely. placed by Rome. Right. So they don't have. They really have <laughs> nothing. They are sad. There's nothing to be happy about. But Jesus comes in now. This is the year of the Lord's favor. So he's like speaking is, to Israel. This is the beginning of the ministry. The year of the Lord's favor, not the days of vengeance, but the year of the Lord's favor. So he's like, guess what? You're going to be comforted. So he's talking to the multitude, not. To the person. He's, yeah, he's talking to the disciples who are going to share it, but that's what he's telling the nation. Yes. By the way, your king is here. I mean, they are the I'm whole, here. The whole nation is like broken spirit. Oh, yeah. And They're, then you go to Paul when he says, and you will comfort those in the way that you have been comforted. There you, perfect. And it all just kind of flows together. together, doesn't yep. it? Yeah. Um, it's so that's good. That's very good. So good. And he wasn't there for this speech, but nope. he heard it. Yeah, oh, yeah. He heard it yeah. from somebody. Jesus taught him. One oh, on for one. sure. One on for one. Sure. He may not have gotten everything in, Paul. but for sure, Paul. Yeah. Sorry, I jumped ahead. All right, number three. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay, so this is the one that most people say, well, I mean, I don't want to be meek. There's a lot. Okay, <laughs> it's weakness. It's going to get run all over by somebody. It's going to be, and that's the way sort of our culture, if you... A woman, a wife, would never describe her husband in the in this world that we live in as meek. Hmm. I would, but most women would not, because it's not a word that is synonymous with strength. It's or, not manly. It's not right. manly. That's right. Um, so I wanted to find out what are the definitions of meek. Well, the two that I looked up. Don't agree. It's hmm. it's really kind of agree. Well, let me let me just read it. Merriam Webster says, enduring injury with patience without resentment, submissive. That's hmm. their definition. Okay. Okay. The Greek word, 
because you know we're going to go back. Yeah, got to go to the it's Greek. It's Prouse. P-R-A-U-S. I'm going to say it's Prouse. I don't, I don't speak Greek. Um, it it's means, all Greek to me. Yes, yeah, all Greek to me. <laughs> um, and it means gentle, and it is used to describe a broken-in horse. And it's used three times. One, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am Prouse. I am gentle. Meek and lowly. And lowly mm-hmm. in heart. Then, it sa- and, he, he, and it says, um, I'm going to come to you humble, riding on a donkey. Yeah. He says it there. Burrow. And he's a burrow. <laughs> and then um, he says, of course, blessed are the meek. So this would have been sort of revolutionary. Um even then it's revolutionary now yes even then it would have been because men did the harder labor they were <laughs> they were they were killing each other with swords yeah. on a daily basis i mean we have a guy in here who works in a sawmill that's hard labor like i'm not working in a no sawmill uh-uh. yep. he's, he's not, not wearing his got wood shirt right nope. now no uh-uh. I smell like sawdust and <laughs> ass. <laughs> Donkey? <laughs> yeah. you go, Can though. I have like three minutes for the most random diversion ever? Sure. <laughs> Killing each other with swords. So there's a border between China and India where they fight all the time. It's one of those borders they can't agree where it is. Yeah. And they co- fight constantly. And what they did is they made a little accord and they were like, all right, we're going to continue to fight over this plot of dry dirt. But nobody's allowed to use guns. And so they're up there on this border, border between India and China, electrocuting each other with electric tridents and stabbing (laughs) each other with swords and just generally killing one another still, but doing it with medieval weaponry. It's wild. (laughs) Electric trident is a great band name. Electric trident. That's a real thing. I didn't make that dance move. Yeah, that's what they used. He said that was a good band name. That's a great electric trident. Uh, It's technically a cattle prod is what it is, but yeah, I get it. The electric trident. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Is that what you do at a wedding? Yeah, the electric <laughs> trident. That's when you like run it through like Google Translate and it comes yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. No, it's literally an electric trident. It's not a cattle prod. It's a trident they've electrified. Isn't that wild? Yeah. <laughs> You're like lamp, sorry, lamp sorry. cords hanging off of it. It's yeah. just too good of a fact. I it was is. Like, but, here, I could jam it in. But I, lo- I love how it's medieval, yet they allowed them to use he electricity. No shooting. No. Yeah. yeah. No shooting. Okay, so while meek in our country has, or in our culture, the Western culture, has negative connotations, really, um, they would have described a war horse as meek. Hmm. It doesn't mean they don't have strength or power, but they use their skill and strength under their master's guidance. Oh, yeah, I like that. So you have the strength, but you only use it mm. when necessary. When and if you've seen you. that movie War Horse... Mm. What a great movie. If you I haven't, haven't seen, seen that, shut your mouth. I'm oh, going to shut man. it right now. Yeah, I've got to see it. <laughs> it is a great movie. Fully closed. <laughs> I think when I, when I read that verse, the meek, like it, it speaks of personality, right? And, and I think he's, like with a lot of these, he's describing his own traits. He's like, he's, he is the be example me. that be, will be me, you know? Yeah. Well, he is. Well, it's the, the guy sitting. At, well, yeah. yes, but but also. I can zap you. <laughs> yep, it's the guy sitting at the foot of the table, at the end of the table, and the guy sitting at the head of the table, and the guy comes in and says, well, "What are you doing sitting here? Hey, you, come up here." Mm-hmm. Taking the yeah, humility again. I think of that scene. I think there's strength in humility. 
Yeah, that's what she's saying. Yeah. yeah, a war that's, horse that's like absolutely he could stomp you, but he's not going to do it unless the master tells him. Remember that part in um uh the was it the the he second the chronicles of Narnia? The what now? The the second chronicle. What was the the horse in his the horse in his horse boy? boy yeah, remember the first. scene or the the is that the first one? It's been years since I've read it, but I I, I get the I, a lot of this stuff. I'm very visual with the way I interpret. Um, often I get dreams and things. That's just the way a lot of times God downloads for me and. That scene, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever even seen it in a, in a movie, but in, in the book, I can almost see that we're, it's the first time where Aslan makes an appearance, and they're walking on the same path, and it's dark, and he's like, almost thinks, do I hear something? And and it takes him a while to realize he's walking next to this, like, Giant capable lion. of zapping, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. Eating it. But the, the humility and the meekness and the, you know, not— the the only one that qualifies to enter a room with fanfare every day right. every day doesn't you know that's, that's right. unique yeah, I think another word for that would be maturity absolutely well I think when you say Jesus was meek he had all the power but exerted self control mm-hmm. which is one of the fruits of the spirit uh, with that power he was humble and meek gentle do you have your Bible out. Would you look up Psalm thirty-seven, eleven, and read it for me, please? I had to blow the dust off in here. <laughs> the, Psalm, the, Psalm. Du- the digital dust off yeah. his digital Bible. <laughs> Psalm, sorry, Just it's, dust. Psalm thirty-seven. Ladies. Psalm thirty-seven. Verse eleven. Is that in the Old Testament or in the New Testament? <laughs> <laughs> Even Andy knows where that That's is. That's dusty. It's in one yeah. of them. Psalm thirty-seven. <laughs> you said. Uh huh. I have ADHD. So. As the app crashes. Verse eleven. Verse eleven. But the humble will at last. And I'm in the amplified version because I'm a guitar player. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, wow. That was great. Fantastic. <laughs> I just realized I was probably going to give you a lot more work than you're ready for. But the humble will at last inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity and peace. So, my version, the New King James says, the meek will inherit the earth. Yep. So, when he said that out loud, they would have, that would have triggered oh, yeah. Old Testament knowledge mm. to them. And they would have been like, We've oh, heard recall. that before. Yeah. From who? King David. Mm. Oh, very powerful king. Yeah. So. I had a man tell me one time, you know, I quoted a meek, the meek will inherit the earth to him. And he said, yeah, about six feet of it. <gasps> I know, right? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. I he, also he talked wasn't about, a guitar player. Well, Jesus said, <laughs> you strike a man on the cheek, you know, to present you know, the, the other cheek as well. And he was like, I've only got four cheeks, buddy. <laughs> so we had four chances to get him out. <laughs> well, now. So, okay. So number four is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And mm. what do they get? They shall be filled. The Luke version says, blessed are those who hunger. Mm. Okay. Um, again, the poor, poor in spirit. Um, we sh- we're all hungry for something. Mm-hmm. That's why many people go to school and study and study and I'm study and for study. Candy. Some of us are hungry for Milky Ways. <laughs> I can't. Some of us are, you know, whatever. But most of us hunger for something. Mm-hmm. I mean, musicians want to write the perfect song. Uh, politicians want to stay in power. Uh, people want to make the movie that grosses a billion dollars at the box office. Whatever. Or, or I'm going to live. We're all hungering for something. We're all thirsting <laughs> That's my for something. Amplified version. <laughs> and if you went back and listened, I do like fame. If you went so back the and that want it. if you go back and listen to the names of Jesus, 
he calls himself, I mean, he calls himself the bread of life. Yeah. He is going to fill them. Mm. And the Holy Spirit is going to be the living water. The living water, yeah. And he is going to fill them. Mm-hmm. We are all hungering for something. We just don't know it. Whatever that is. Right. Friendship, not to be lonely, um, healing a broken marriage, our daughters or sons to come back to the faith, a successful business, whatever it is, we're all hungering for something. But if we can realize that we're hungering for righteousness, there is a, there is a need within us to not live in a state of ick. Mm-hmm. Now, as a real estate agent, I have some, seen some people who live in the hoarding mess. It's disgusting the mm. way some people live. But most of us, when we're not covering up that hunger and thirst because we can't find it because we're looking everywhere but Jesus, you know, we're not living. We don't want to live in that mire. We don't want to live down in the dirt. We want something more mm. than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we're finding it, it needs to be the righteousness of God. This would have been sort of a slap in the face of the Pharisees here. Not your self-righteousness, mm-hmm. but God's righteousness. And how do we get that? All of these are digs at those spiritual leaders. I see Nicodemus here again. I see Joseph of Arimathea here. They were hungry. They were meeting him at night. Mm-hmm. They were begging Pontius Pilate to let them take Jesus' body off the cross. They hungered mm-hmm. for them, for him. And I wonder... You know, I've been a Christian now almost half my life, and my hunger goes in and out from time to time. Sure. You know, I literally have the buffet that is Jesus Christ, and I go there and I'm not hungry. I don't want it because mm-hmm. I don't because it makes you have to. We re- have too many distractions, too many idols. We I mean, want to live our lives the way we want to, and the way do the everybody we else want. is living it. Correct, and we're not, and sometimes that hunger is satiated by something else, but it's never permanently filling. Taking our eye off the prize. Yeah. And if, you, if you're looking at anything other than what you're going for, you won't see what you're going for. And I use the word buffet because clearly most of us in here like to eat. So. Yes, the golden corral. This is the but south. I think of another verse that's similar to it, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all of these things. Mm-hmm. So you don't worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. Like this, God will say, God will fill all those hungers. Yeah, He'll satiate that. And Absolutely. You, you look, it goes beyond the temporal. It leaves. Well, I'm curious if, from the standpoint of the where the the Pharisees and Sadducees, everything had to be, every dot, I had to be dotted, every T had to be crossed, everything yep. that you wore had something of significance that right. you had to wear. In a the thing they were doing had become what they were seeking after, which was the, yes. it was like an idol to them absolutely. rather than the relationship right. to God and his righteousness. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Anything else? We've solved that one. Okay. <laughs> done and over. So blessed are the merciful for yeah, dry they, <laughs> they will obtain mercy. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is not mentioned in Luke at all, but it's my favorite. Jesus told several parables about to those who are given much, much is required. And in my case, I was given a lot of mercy that I did not deserve Mm -hmm. through Jesus Christ. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say amen, but I didn't mean it for you. I meant for myself. (laughs) Mercy is not a trait that we would also, someone who's merciful, that's not necessarily a good trait in our society. Mm -hmm. 
especially if you work in a CE as a CEO or you want to move up in politics, you have to be merciless, ruthless, ruthless. And, and that's a lot of our society, but I think it's a positive and I'm a parent and, and I know most, all of us in here, well, Maybe not Andy. Even Andy's not a parent. I can't say even Andy there. He's got dogs. Yeah. He's got dogs. Even Andy's yeah. a parent. But He's the dog father. We all know that there are times when our kids do something that breaks whatever rules we have set in our house. And there are times when you bring, you absolutely ring the hammer down. Mm-hmm. You take their phones, you spank them, you whatever it is you do in your house. But there are times, at least for me, I don't ever remember being shown mercy, but not from my parents, but from there were times when the Lord said, show them mercy here. Mm. Okay. How do I do that? How did I show you mercy? Mm. I showed you where you could be, but if you accept me and I will forgive you, that's mercy. This is where you're going to be. Not this is where you could be. This is where you're going to be. This could be your punishment. Mm. I could take away your phone for a week, which would, for most teenagers, break their ever-loving hearts. But <laughs> sometimes you're merciful and you say, okay, I'm going to take it for a day. Or I'm not going to take it at all. I'm going to show you mercy. And to me, those are some of the best parenting moments that I had. Yeah. Especially when they were little. Mm-hmm. Um, when they lied to me or something like that, that was personally Hurtful. It wasn't like they touched the stove or they ran out in the road or whatever. It was part, like they lied to me or they did something that was it was personal. Yeah, and that stuff hurts. It hurts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Even even if they're four, it hurts. My father. There was there's a time. People. Yeah, there was a time whenever I was uh, I did something and I was going to be punished. And my dad, you know, isn't a believer, but he did the old adage. You've heard it. You know, he pulls off his belt. This is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. <laughs> And lies. Yeah, but so when he takes the belt off and he's getting ready to whip me, he started to cry. And then he just said, I can't do it. I wish you hadn't done that. And he just walked in the house. And that Oof. broke yeah, my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I thought, <laughs> I am the lowest of the low. Yeah. I've made my dad cry. I really disappointed him. And you know what? I really learned the lesson in that mercy. I learned it, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't want to hurt my dad after that. Not like that. I wanted to hurt him other ways and did, <laughs> but not in that, you know, I wasn't going to steal a box of crowns again. You know what I mean? Well, I think in this particular blessed here, it, it's sort of a reap what you sow sort of thing or karma for those of you who aren't believers. But um, if we're merciless with people, we aren't going to get mercy. Mm-hmm. And if we're merciful, we will see mercy. Well, if we we're supposed to be hanging out with him and becoming more like him, that's what he's like. It's a byproduct. You 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 hang out with somebody like that, you can't help. But- well, and don't don't mistake it for lax, meaning he he's still holding you to the standard. Yeah. Like you know, it's kind of like sympathy versus empathy. You know, um, I I feel sorry for you, and gotta gotta, and I understand that, and gonna let you go. Or hey, I'm empathetic to what to your plight, uh, and I'm gonna meet you where you are and try to understand who you are and where you are. But it's still the standard is still here. Mm-hmm. And and I think as we're we, you know we've gone from poor in spirit to now we're merciful. I think they're getting progressively 
a little more difficult mm-hmm. to obtain. Yeah. Because as you go farther, they're getting a little bit more difficult to, how do I find blessings in that again? Right. How do I find joy in this again? And when we get to the eighth one, which is going to be the hardest one, the next one I think is pretty hard. It's well, blessed. and I think that's why it's a really good lesson from Jesus to his disciples saying, this is what people are dealing with, and this is what you have to show them. And this is, I, I, think, it's, I think it's really, really a good lesson to help them understand what it is that they're charged with doing mm-hmm. and, and, that, and, and how to go about it by giving them the understanding of where people are. So I've said forever and ever and ever and ever, you know, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the pastors and everything, they want everybody coming in that's already saved. Jesus didn't go to those folks. Right, right, right. Jesus went to the people that weren't saved. And the, the, these Jewish people, all of these disciples, they went to synagogue and everything, and you're judging everybody else. <clears throat> they didn't hang out with the Gentiles. So Jesus is saying, hey, let me teach you about the people that you're going to be bringing in, because the ones that think they already know aren't listening. Yeah, they know nothing. They're blind, they're deaf, yeah. Don't even know who I am. That's right. So the next one uh, brings in how they're going to have to get to these places. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so a clean heart, how do we get a clean heart? God created me a clean heart. Renewing me a steadfast spirit. Yep. John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I remember Jesus saying, and I don't know where it was exactly in the Bible, but He said, you worry about what the outside of the cup looks like, but the inside of the cup is moldy and nasty and gross and Matthew dirty. Matthew chapter 23. And that's, where that's, and that's what you're drinking. And you're drinking that. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> what you it looks like on the, the outside isn't going inside you, yeah. but what's on the inside is what you're ingesting. So by the cleansing of the blood of Jesus, we can stand in God's presence knowing that the blood has covered us, and by that we get to see God. Mm-hmm. Without that, we can't see God. Without that blood buffering. Yeah. Like the veil with Moses, Mm -hmm. something has to buffer because in our sinful state, we can't do that. So that has to buffer us. That has to clean us up so that we can see God. I know. And you know, this, this, this particular beatitude um, used to bother me like crazy because I am not pure in heart. I'm not ever, (laughs) you know, like... Just listen to the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, just when you, yeah, when you know, when I saw my infant daughter when she was born, I had a moment where I wasn't thinking about all of me. I was just thinking, I was just looking at my daughter, and I was just, it was the most amazing emotional thing that I was feeling. Like, there's this person here, you know, that was the most purest to me. It was like a pure moment. And wow, you just put me back many years to when my son was born because I know that feeling. you know that feeling that you have. Like, you look at him, and it's like my tears just started coming. I wasn't crying. But tears were coming out of my eyes. It's it's really weird. It was just yeah pure. It, 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 that's the only thing to me that ever felt like purity. And I kept I remember feeling that way until I you know grew in the faith and understood that it's Christ's purity and His washing that 
makes me pure. It's not me that's the pure. That's what scared Peter. Get away from me. Yeah, oh my exactly. God. That impurity. That's, that that's me. I get to heaven. It's not, I, I'm, I'm not scared about the whole thing, except for when he says, this is. And how interesting. You, you think your house is clean all winter, and then you turn the light on in the spring, you're like, oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> let me show you what you missed. That's right. And then, like, it, it's cool that you mentioned Peter, because Peter's the one that talks about how we are to be refined. Are you going to talk about that? We're going to be refined like gold. Where he, you know, in the fire where the dross, you know, comes out of this. Well, that's um, here. Jesus here trying to, be to a more pure. trying to polish them to send them out. Look, I've given you the rough. Well, right now, to me, if I was cut. listening to him, I'd be like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to get there. Well, you, I want to go back to what you said. Is that okay? I yeah, absolutely. Hijack, but this show's all about me. So it is. Um, it's I all drove, about. I drove a long way <laughs> <laughs> through like water and cars and stuff. Welcome to the Beaver Chronicles. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's, it's <laughs> we have new, to name it. You like everything else gets the Beaver named. Chronicles. Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> Enough of damn. Episode one of one. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> no, I lost my complete. Oh, pure in heart. So. How do you reconcile the notion of like, do you like, when, when will you be pure of heart if you're not now? I am now, but only because I understand that I have Christ in me and the Holy Spirit that lives through me, and that purity comes from Him alone. Yeah. Did so you, when I before stand, you realize that, did you that, have that though? No. Before that, I didn't, uh, the only way I would, I would attain it would be something like through a works-based idea, okay. which was, okay, I shouldn't have cussed, so I need to stop cussing forever. You mean like actually obtained it or felt like you obtained it? No, I'd like, I, I felt like I needed to obtain that because I didn't understand the meaning of what it meant to be pure in heart. I just knew that I wasn't. I, I, and I, so I thought that I had to work my way there right until on. I got the relationship with the Lord and I understood exactly what He did for me. Yeah. Then I realized, oh, I am pure in heart, but only because He made me so. I, I think See the extra... I think the extra blessing of grace is if I die in the middle of a bad thought or bad deed, Jesus is still going to fight for me in front of God, Advocate, the Father, yeah. because he knows that in my heart I've given myself to him, and yet I am still a human. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's humbling to know that, one of these, that, that I could go and be doing something <laughs> bad at the time. I like how you said that. I like how you said that, right? Well, it deals with that identity. And I don't know, I, I get the feeling there's a mixed bag. I don't know where everyone's theology is, so I might say something that you guys definitely don't invite me back for. But yeah. I think, like... You're fired. We're just looking for an excuse. Okay, yeah. I'm waiting for it. I'm, I'm <laughs> Andy just doesn't, We're going to dock your pay. Yeah. Andy oh, just doesn't no. want me to bring another I member have. in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Welcome I to the mean, boroughs, all 77 of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Therefore, having been, past tense, been just in Romans 5, therefore, yes. having been justified by faith, we have peace with God right, right. now through yes. our Lord Jesus Christ. So I personally balk at the notion that before I realized that I was, because I'd struggled for damn near my whole life, right. uh, Christian life, uh, with, I mean, I've got it tattooed on my arm so I could see it every day, you know, uh, uh, having begun in the Spirit from Galatians four, the 3, 4, and 5, you know, mm-hmm. uh, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? You can say it like, having begun in the Spirit, are you made imperfect by mm-hmm. the flesh? It deals with identity. And to my knowledge, someone please correct me, but Aside from whatever we wind up deciding the unpardonable sin actually is. Yes. I heard that one by oh, the did way. You? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I follow you guys. Um I've got the shirts and everything. I don't have the shirts, but I want I want the shirts. You've got you you've know. got some coming today at the end of the podcast. Oh, that's swell. Got that's swag. great. Oh, I'm excited. Well swell. I haven't heard that since the forties. <laughs> that was worth the drive, you know. <laughs> swell, yeah. Swag is swell. Well, I tried to talk with the way that my teenagers talk.
talk and they, <laughs> they look at me like, you shouldn't do that. Don't, you ought not do that, buddy. Not even like a mad, just like for your own safety. Yeah. Don't, don't repeat that. So, like, but you were talking about identity. Yeah, talking about identity. Like, a, you know, blessed are the pure in, in heart, pure in spirit, pure in heart, depending on which volume you have yours set to. I feel like the moment that he makes me righteous, I'm righteous, whether I'm caught on or not. No, that is absolutely true. Okay. My standing with God when I became a believer, I was pure in heart. Okay. My, what I'm saying is that my brain hadn't caught up with what had happened in my spirit. Which is well, the, being transformed was, by the, Romans 12, being yes, transformed by the, by the renewing, renewing of your, of your mind. mind. Yeah. And then I was a new creation in Christ. But even though I had learned that, and, and all I'm saying is that I didn't know my true standing with God. It took me some time to understand what who I was. And you'll, and you'll continue to as Always. you work out your salvation. Well, continue right, to, right? absolutely. You, you know, it's funny you say that because being raised this way yeah. and, you know, in second grade going up and receiving communion without having taken the class because I believe God was telling me, I didn't mm. understand my belief sure. for many, many years. I I had to grow into my understanding of my because I believed and I was like, I, I just believe. I just know. I talk to God regularly. I know. I know. I'm talking to God. I know. I just. I had that belief, and then you start getting older and more mature, and you start listening to other people, and you're like, "Well, why do I have such belief? And how? And this and that." And it took me a while to get to that from somebody who's done this since I was born. Yeah, to, all the while to go back to being a child, right? So, that so you how can does enter that correlate in. to seeing God then? So if we're wafting in and out of, do we feel like we're right now all the time in any given moment in right standing with God? Or if we're wafting the more, out? The older I get, the more I sin, the more I realize that I sin, the more I feel like I don't deserve it. Whereas before, I just accepted it. When I was young, I was pure. I accepted it. But you get older and then you, oh, I did this and I did that. And yeah, I've been forgiven. Tree of knowledge, thinking, baby. Yes, that's right. That's exactly, that's exactly it. The more you... <laughs> The more you know that you've messed up, the more you have to. Oh my gosh, that's I'm not I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Sure. I don't know. How do you reconcile that with as far as the east is from the west? So far, have I removed your sin from you? Is that he can't see it, but we we I, I just I so that I go back it's to a what choice. the Catholic it's the meek. It's a choice. It's uh, the meekness. It's okay. the same as that. He has the power to see that if he wanted to. Right he chooses not to use right. it. I go back to the thing the priest used to tell me that used to bother me. They wouldn't tell me the truth. They'd just say, have faith. Well, with that, <laughs> and for that particular one, for me, it is just a matter of, okay, I'm not going to be able to reconcile this. I'm going to go a little sure. bit OCD and a little bit of ADHD and a little bit of all that stuff. I'm not going to be able to. So I can either agonize over this for the next right. three hours and not get anything else done, or I can just decide that's one of the ones I can't reconcile. So I need, to have, I need to have faith that that, that one's covered. And I just need to remember to come back all the time. Like earlier today when something happened, and I said, Jesus, I am impure. I am a sinner. I am terrible. Please, please, please bless me. All right. So the next one is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. If we skip ahead to verses 44 and 45, how do we become peacemakers? How are we to make peace? Well, he says, and by he I mean Jesus, he says, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. So if we're to be peacemakers and we want to be sons of God, we have to love our enemies. We have to extend blessing to blessings to those who curse you. We have to do good to those who hate you. We have to pray for those who use you out of spite. And that is a difficult lesson. It is, and that's. I want to. Well, go ahead. I, the, 
I don't think I think it's the same thing as like I mean sympathy for the devil, right? You see people that do awful things and 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 you don't have to accept those things or excuse those behaviors or encourage those behaviors. You can just try to feel sympathy for the human experience that led them there. That doesn't change anything else about how you react if if their behavior or whatever in this example behavior is problematic this it just means you're not spiteful you don't treat them like an inhuman you just you treat them like a human with a flaw that needs to be handled in a particular way but that does not stop you from attempting in the very least to sympathize with them because they're they're still humans they might be really awfully broken sometimes but Nobody's just like that, right? Like that's that's a genetic problem. That's a problem of upbringing. Like, how do you not have sympathy with that? Mm. You know, now, now that doesn't change anything about your response. That does not excuse their behavior. Mm. Well, you, you got to be careful to judge somebody if you haven't been in their shoes. And just like we have to be careful how we read this, because this was written for someone else in a different time in a different place with different understanding of those words, which is what we're looking at now. I want to ask Billy something. Um, Whenever you were coming up, Billy, at any point, did you ever have like friends that got in a fight and you tried to get in the middle and break it up? Have you ever tried to break up a fight between people before? Or did you stand back and be like, yeah, get it on, son? Like, Here's a two by four. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like to call that technique the you're gonna have to hit me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually Probably what gets between my brothers. Stopped. You know, yeah. they would they would we would I would try to stop it. Yeah. I yeah. never yeah. Uh if you care about somebody, I think you should stop it. Um, yeah. That's a beautiful way of putting it. Because what he's saying is that you're caring for both sides. Yeah. Peacemakers it's not just about being peacemakers for ourselves. He's talking about being peacemakers for others. So imagine one of his disciples, Simon, who was a zealot, and the zealots were the they were this the terrorists of their time. They wanted to overthrow this occupied government. They were ready to go to war at any second. They had spies that would go around and stab you in the neck, you know, right in the middle of Jerusalem. So he's got one of these in his group. But so you have these people that are the Gentiles that are just crushing you. And then you have the other people that are like, no, but we want to fight them. And he's saying, peace, be the one that's in the middle bringing peace, peacemakers. So that means that now you have to try to be understanding from both sides of the argument. What does that do to both sides? It, you, that's the idea. You're the great diffuser. Okay, so one of the things that I've learned in this podcast, when we've, because of all of our differences, especially eschatologically, whenever we go out, you've noticed that we are very merciless to one another in the faith. If you don't, if you don't hold to exactly my point of view, then you're not going to be a part of my group, right? And so what I've been saying is that that's where the church has gone wrong for thousands of years, not just a few years, for thousands. Everybody's brought their own point of view, and they've argued it to the point to where they've created these sects, and now they don't get along, or they kind of do. We all say, eh, whatever. But what I'm saying is that's where the church is. We need to be the ones to break down not just the divide within our own church, but within everybody on each side of the argument. No more We are the arbiters of peace. And it takes meekness Yes, to do it that. does. It absolutely does. Well, yeah, because if you bring aggression to that, it's, yeah, it done. all it blows yeah. up. 
it gets worse. So yep. uh, this uh, Jim just wanted me to read this. From the beginning of time, in no way do we assert our tendency to be God in an abusive and devouring way than we do in our religious lives. Boy, that is true. Amen. That is so true, and I've and we've experienced it here, right on this podcast. We've had I've had people. I just had a guy the other day because I said that I was going to try to be understanding for people who are confused about pronouns. I don't know you don't know this, Andy, but this dude come out and he's like, "I'm not listening to your podcast anymore, man, because these people are just mentally ill and crazy and blah blah blah." And the first instant that you want to say is, "Well, then go the you know what you know just get the whatever out of yeah, here," yeah. but. Something that, when I asked the Lord about it, the thing that came to me was, wait a minute. Number one, I don't want to lose him as a listener. He's been listening. So so I'm hoping that he likes the show. That's good because we talk about a lot of things. Then the other side of it is, okay, so he has a differing opinion. And you know what? I think there might be some people in this room that possibly do have a similar kind of a theory to that. But then there's some in this room that don't. Andy and I have a very similar view about this. Like, call yourself whatever you want. I don't care. Like, whatever. I'm going to love you as the person. I don't care. Whatever your choices are. But so then I just felt this love in my heart for that dude. And I was like, I'm sorry I lost you. I really am. Yeah, it's the same the same thing. It's it's. I said earlier, it's just you got to try to see where they're coming from. And, and that's hard in a situation particularly like that. Yep. that that's difficult. You know? Well, yep. if someone has an intense response like that, that's that's hooking some trauma in them. That's hooking something sure. that's... And yep. it's not just you that that they're dealing with. So sometimes you, absolutely you may true. not be able to actually address whatever. I mean, they're they're, they're yelling at their principal from third grade right. for, whatever, for whatever random connection. I mean, the emotions are really powerful. I had somebody so tell me that a long time. If somebody flips out on you for no reason, just know that there's a reason. You just don't know what it is. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're the stand-in for whoever right, made exactly. this happen. Yeah. yeah, don't ever tell your wife that it's not me. You're worried about your principal because that doesn't work. Okay, you're just mad at somebody else. I'm not a therapist. I just play one on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if you have mercy and you're meek and you're a peacemaker and you're pure in heart, then when I get to this last one, which is the most difficult of them all, Mm -hmm. blessed are the ones persecuted for righteousness' sake, those who are reviled, lied about, and had false witness made against them for Jesus' sake. And it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it goes on to talk about, he, he expands on that in the next few verses. But um, we should never seek out persecution. It really shouldn't be something we're seeking out. Um, but if we're living bold, Christ-centered lives, it's going to come. Um, we may not be being beheaded for our faith, like some of our fellow Christians in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we stand for God's truth, we can be mocked, we can be scorned, we can be lied about. We can be called names, something phobic or something is ageist, racist, whatever it is. Um, and, I think there's balance to that. I agree 100% yeah. with that. I think also some of the behavior like earns those titles within, oh, for sure. within the community, personally. Oh, but. for sure. I mean, again, we're never more brutal than when we're you know, dealing with one another as Christians. Um but when we take a stand for something, whatever that truth, whatever your truth may be, and we, this is the Bible that I'm holding on my lap is my truth. This mm-hmm. is the truth. Uh, Jesus is the truth. And if I'm saying that, and if I'm telling people about him, and I have a certain set of core values, when I talk about them, it can make people uncomfortable. You are a presuppositional theologian. 
Remember? Oh, yeah. That's what Doug Wilson said. Yep. Presupposition. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. very good. That was an interesting yeah, yeah, it was, bit of but knowledge. That, taking it from there. the scripture, that's where yeah. we suppose and presuppose it. So hmm. when we speak truth in love, there's the key. Yeah. In love, we store up our treasure in heaven. Mm-hmm. And when we share the gospel, we are sharing the kingdom of heaven, and we get to be a part of that kingdom by serving the king. Mm-hmm. And persecution's going to come. Jesus didn't escape from it. Peter didn't escape from it. None of the disciples escaped from it. John the Baptist beheaded. He spoke the truth. He was bold. He got mm-hmm. in people's faces. Jesus flipping some tables, going up against the religious elite. He is the truth. It was revolutionary. Jesus was a revolution. He, you know, it, it was an insurrection that day. Yeah. yeah. That time period, those three years, and it it literally shook the world's foundation. Yeah, Pharisees and Sadducees are going to have to get another job. <laughs> yeah, right? He, because we're all royal priests. Yeah, I mean, regardless if you believe it or not, enough people believed that that it changed the world because it's still going on even now. Right. So that's, yeah, that's pretty amazing. You did a good job on this study. I was going to say, like, I'm, I'm, you can't see if you're listening, but uh, she was very, very prepared and I was pretty impressed by that. Oh, yeah. She brings it. She bring, she'd already been brought in. She'd already been brought in. Well, thank you for letting me lead it. It it was interesting to study them because I've read them. It's one of the I write down in my in my Bible where where when I've had this a, pre, a sermon preached on it, and yeah. it's one of the most preached on things. But I don't know that I ever really dove into it for myself. I just listened to what these pastors had said, and when I started looking at what do these words mean, hmm. what did it mean to these people at this time, what what does it mean for me. Like, right. How do I take what he meant for these guys to, to take to their future ministry? And as I go at the Crisis Pregnancy Center, how can I be a peacemaker? How can I show these girls mercy? How can I share the gospel when I know that I might be ridiculed and mocked? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how can we do these things? And so it was really kind of eye-opening for me to kind of sit down and just dive into it because you kind of just read it. It's kind of like our Father, which art in heaven, how right. done in the kingdom come, well done. We, we can say it. Blessed are the peacemakers. Bless. Do we really believe it? Are we really seeking to be pure in heart? Are we really hungry for Jesus Christ and His Word? Yeah. I know you had said something about reading the Bible through several, and then you stopped, and then you did it again, and how hungry you were for it when you went back to it. We that hunger that we had when we were first saved, Mm -hmm. it fades over time Mm. because we've been standing at the buffet line too long, and sometimes we need to go out and figure out what. Hungry feels like to me. It's whenever I feel like we do a lot of buffet metaphors. We do. I like a Baba Southern lady. I like a buffet. <laughs> whenever you, uh, one of, and some of my some oh. of my favorite moments in my life are whenever I've encountered things um, like that gentleman that was outside that day and oh, being yeah. able to talk to him. Whenever you know the ladies were bringing out their were packing, bringing out their guns, you know, because it was like it felt weird or volatile. I, it wasn't. He was fine, but it just. Those moments, whenever you can show love to someone who could care less for it, and then to watch them melt, is something that I'll never forget. I watch, I see God at work in my heart. It's work. It's going on in me. You know what I mean? Like, and despite how easy I feel like I made it sound when I talked about, you know, feeling sympathy for people that have done wrong, it is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Mm. It is. But we also have to realize that sometimes we're going to do these things 
and we're going to be the way Jesus tells us to be, mm-hmm. and we're not going to get the response that we think we That's should right. get. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I did that when my mom was passing away, and we had been estranged, and I wanted to be the peacemaker. I wanted to go and, and try to have some reconciliation. There was none. Yeah. There wasn't any on this side of heaven. I don't know what that looks like right. on the other side. But why did I continue to go? Why did I continue to care for her? Well, I wanted heart. to be, I wanted to show what it was like to love those who hate you. Yeah. Because she told me that. And it's a hard thing to hear. Mm. And it didn't come, it wasn't all fuzzy in a Hallmark movie moment. Right. It was brutal. Mm. It was a lifetime. It, it was awful. Yeah. The, yeah. And so, you know, when, but we're not doing it for, I wasn't doing it for her. Right. I was doing it for him, mm-hmm. for Jesus. And yeah. I was doing it for my family to show my kids what is it like to care for somebody who doesn't care for you back. Yeah. So I do want to say it may not be in, end up being all warm and fuzzy, like right. you, the incident with the fella outside. Well, it wasn't warm and fuzzy. You actually just left. But, it, but for you know me, what it I was mean? good, you know? Peaceful. <laughs> it might not turn out the way yeah, you yeah. think. Yeah. But we're not doing it for that It was actually audience. cold and rainy that day. It was. Yeah, yes, it was. <laughs> we were doing it for the Always audience rainy of one. Here. Yep. So, great job on this study. Well, I want to say yeah, thanks, yeah. everybody. Great job. Thank you. I have, hey, I have one question. Yeah. Way to represent. Can I, can I, can yeah, I please ask that. Andy, would you please get that bag of goodies for Jim uh, off, the, off the couch in the room and bring it in for us? The beaver bag. <laughs> oh, for real? I get, <laughs> oh, I'm yes, excited. Yes, absolutely. Um, did you, do you know or did you find, because this is, this, I, I, I just started studying when Rick said we were going to do this. Um, the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, was it in John or... Mark, correct? Not in its entirety. Oh, okay. But there was pieces they did they mention it. Kind because, of alluded okay. to some of the teachings, but they they weren't. Oh, okay, I was just curious. Not in its fullness. Okay. okay. Well, I just want to say thanks to <laughs> yeah, Jim for sitting one. in, and oh, you yeah. had some very poignant cool. things to say. Oh, sorry. Yeah, let him out. And oh, then... we can't do the like awkward double thanks, man. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like saying goodbye and like in Cracker Barrel, so and then you like walk the same. You're like, well, oh, shoot, we're part of. Uh, <laughs> Jim, so, uh, we want to give you this. Burroughs of Bria cap. Oh, that's rad. You also get the We Still so Bray 80s. t-shirt. Now, I don't know what size you have, so I got three different sizes here, including an extra small. I'll tie them all together. What- <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Burroughs of Bria mug. What? Says and we then, Bray on front, on the side, and the back. This is for... You, Sarita, for leading the study. You don't have one of these, that, do you? It keeps vodka cold. That's the tumble. It no, keeps the vodka cold. So good job. Good job, Sarita. Thank you. Thank you for letting me lead it. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, Jim, here. thanks for being here. Thanks, yeah. Paul, Father. You got thanks it. for letting me lead it. I'm going to make you a podcast you can't refute. Yeah. Hey, Snickers, thanks. Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have like one for the exit? No, Just the no, okay. not, not, Rick Carter. Not oh, he's done a lot of episodes. Don't take any away. Yeah. Yeah. He needs everyone. 137. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Ralph, hey. it's a pleasure. Way to represent. Represent. Yeah. Andy, thanks as always. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on the Burrows of Berea. Peace out. Later. Bye, represent. Hey, guys. This is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.